You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 7. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, but Bill, if you were here for the revival, he preached out of Matthew chapter 5 the first night, Matthew chapter 6, I believe it was the second night, and he left Matthew 7 for us this morning. And so we're going to dive into a text as we talk about the power of prayer, praise, and the power of thanksgiving. All of these are powerful things that we can participate in. And the way this series is going to work is we're going to preach six sermons between today and the week before Thanksgiving, kind of moving into Thanksgiving. And uh, I'll preach the first two, and then our worship pastor, Jordan Elkins, will preach the first of two sermons on the power of praise and worship. So we're really excited about partnering and working together and and seeing this series become uh, a real blessing to our church family. And you know, this past week was a real blessing to me. Uh, I must confess to you that uh, it's been a a little more um, convicting than normal as, and and I probably should be every Sunday convicted about anything you preach, and I am oftentimes convicted at, you know, as I prepare, but I want you to know that even more so today because although I'm a pastor and I've been a pastor for a long time and here at this church for 29 years, can I tell you that I have experienced the highs and lows of, in my prayer life. I have had the mountain experiences. I'll mention a couple of those here today as illustrations of Scripture. But I've also had times where he seemed so far away. It wasn't him, it was me. And uh, here even recently, I told Bill as he preached, you know, man, I am coming into this series. I I am starting over. I am going to the school of prayer. I'm going to enter into that school and humbly say, God, teach me how to pray with my church family. I am not an expert this morning. I'm not standing up here this morning with some sort of authority, you know, and, 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 and some sort of a prime example of, of, of I think I, there's been times when maybe I would, I would have felt more confident in that sense. But I feel very confident that we can come alongside each other and walk this journey of growing in our prayer time, in our prayer life. Amen? So with that said, let's dive in. Uh, 650 prayers in the Bible, pretty incredible, isn't it? Uh, I think that's what Bill said. And what's interesting is there are 25 times where Jesus prays in the Gospels. And over 450 recorded answers to prayer in Scripture. I mean, prayer is a subject that the Bible is not a stranger to. In fact, there's a lot of Scriptures that Jesus himself shared about prayer. Powerful passages from the words, from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Here are just a few of those as we introduce to you Matthew 7. In Matthew 5, he said, You've heard it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 13, that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And one of the things that I'm thinking and praying through and, and asking God to do for us is, Lord, make this a house of prayer. Not just in word, but in action. God, make us a house of prayer and teach us to pray as a family in our Sunday gatherings. Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith, Jesus said. Jesus reminds us in Matthew nine thirty eight that we must pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest. Pray about that. 
something to pray about. And Jesus said that himself. In Luke 18, 1, he told them a parable. And in effect, he said, you ought to always pray and not faint. Don't lose heart. In Luke twenty two forty, he comes to a place where he says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's just from the words of Jesus. Jesus is preaching here in Matthew 7, the great sermon on the mount. And we heard from Bill from Matthew 5 and Matthew 6. And now we come to this powerful prayer promise in Matthew 7. You know, the promises of God are powerful. They're real. They're, they're true. And we sing about those promises. And oftentimes we talk about those promises and we share those promises. But I wonder if we really believe them. I wonder if our faith is really uh, convinced that these are not just words, but these are promises that God will keep. The, the same God who promised salvation to all those who would repent and believe is the same God who, pray, who said, I promise, if you'll ask, you receive, seek, find, knock, and the door shall be open. How can we believe that one and not believe this one, you see? So we have a promise here. These are the words of Jesus. These are his words. These are powerful words. Listen, Matthew 7 says, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, (laughs) will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Years ago, <clears throat> I heard a story of a, of, a, of a shepherd who was, and this is a parable, uh, this is a fable, if you will, just a story, that's all. Not true, but it illustrates something. A man, a shepherd who was shepherding his his sheep, and uh, he, he saw the most beautiful flower that it, he'd never seen anything like it before. It attracted him. Uh, his eyes uh, met that flower, and he fell to his knees, and he was just enamored by this beautiful flower. He picked it up out of the ground, roots and all, and he held it in his hands. And in that moment, all of a sudden, this mountain before him began to make this roaring noise, almost as if these doors were on oiled hinges that were opening before him. And when they did, light burst forth from that mountain, and he began to walk towards the door of that mountain, flower in hand. And as he walked in, he saw things he had never seen before. Treasures, gold and silver and precious stones and sapphire and rubies. He put that flower down, and he began to pick all of these treasures up. This was amazing. He heard as he turned to walk out of that mountain through the same door he had walked in, you forgot the best. He heard those words and stopped and looked around and thought, is there something better than this? (laughs) No, there couldn't be. He continued to walk towards that door and heard for a second time, you forgot the best. And he stopped again, and he thought, well, is there anything that could be better than all of these beautiful treasures? As he walked towards that door and walked through that door, thinking nothing could be better than this, 
he heard the door shut behind him, and the words coming through that door said, you forgot the best. And as he heard those words, the gold and silver and stones turned to dirt in his hands, and the voice said, the best was the flower that you left behind the door of the mountain. You forgot the best. It's just a story. But I wonder how much of how many of us have forgotten the best. The treasures of the Christian life are amazing, aren't they? I mean, God is so good, and there's so many things to enjoy in this life as a believer. But the best, the, the vault is that the, 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 the door that opens, or the, the flower, the best that opens the, the vault to all of God's treasures is prayer. Prayer is the best. And I feel as if so oftentimes my testimony is that's what I forget. That's what I forget. Oh, listen, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. You forgot the best. Church, let's not forget the best. This morning, I want to give you three things I want you to see in this text about the power of prayer. And the first being super exciting, and that is this. There, there is a promise here in this passage. A promise to you, a promise to me. And it's a promise that we need to claim. Because I want you to see in verse 7 again that our Lord said, Ask. Here's the promise. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened. That is a promise. Which means this, church family, and listen and listen well, there is no substitute for prayer. None. The substitute for a lot of things. I mean, we had, went through a pandemic and found out you can actually not go to the church building and still go to church. <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, online worshiping became a substitute for gathering. I didn't like it. You didn't probably like it all that much. And we're grateful we can be back together, though we welcome those who are listening online. We think it's a great tool. It's a substitute. If you can't come to church, it, it is a substitute. Sometimes folks have to get a substitute hip or a substitute ankle or a substitute leg. I mean, there's a lot of things you can substitute, but please listen this morning. There is no substitute for prayer. None. Not eloquence, not, uh, not, not in intellect. You, you can't substitute prayer with energy. Pastor, I, I tell you, your, the energy you have is exciting. Can I tell you, I'm convicted this morning about my energy and my enthusiasm. When I have this without prayer, listen, it's, I'm failing. I'm failing. Oh, listen, the energy and the enthusiasm is no substitute for the power of prayer. There is no substitute for prayer. The greatest unused, the greatest untapped resource in the world is prayer. Think about that. It's untapped, and it's, it's oftentimes unused. And Bill Eliff reminded us of something, and it's, I have not forgotten it since he said it. If you were here, do you remember when he referred to walking on a plane, and he said, you know, he, he met this very powerful person, a rich person, someone who stood uh, high above the rest, someone who had, you know, fancy clothes and lots of money, and this person he knew was a very powerful person. But then he thought for a moment, I wonder who is the most powerful person on this plane? And he made this statement. The most powerful person on that plane is the person who prays. It's the person who prays. Think about that this morning. Who is the most powerful person in this, plat in this, in this audience? It's the person who prays. I've not forgotten that. 
I don't want to be the best preacher in this room this morning. I want to be the best prayer. I want to to, to pray. Listen, why the poverty of so many Christians? Why the powerlessness of so many Christians or the powerlessness of so many pastors? I don't have a failure in my life that is not a prayer failure. There's, There's one answer to my all of my failures. All of them are prayerlessness. I don't have a need in my life that cannot be met through the power of prayer. Think about it with me. Why does God answer prayer anyway? I mean, if God already knows what we need before we ask it, then why ask? If our Heavenly Father knows what we need, I mean, why ask God to do what He already wants to do? Why ask God to do something for us when He already knows that we have need of it? It's a good question. Well, first of all, let's understand this, why we don't pray. We don't pray to inform God. God already knows everything. (laughs) We're not praying to make sure God knows what we need. God knows what we need before we pray. So that's not why we pray to inform God, and we don't pray to instruct God. God is sovereign. God is all-wise, all-knowing. God is sovereign. God has a will, and His will is going to be done. We don't pray to inform God. We don't pray to instruct God. We pray to invite God. Again, from Bill Eliff, the presence of the Lord. That was the emphasis of the whole missions revival. I mean, I bought every book on that table Wednesday night, every book on multiple times. I want to give them out because every book that I've read so far that he put on that table, the, the, the substance of the book, the foundation of the book is the presence of God. Church, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. All is vain. This morning, if if all you hear is Erica Pacey's voice, if if what you remember is a funny joke or a funny story, or wasn't that cool when when Pacey said this or said that, a boy, he's got good energy. If that's all you remember, I can assure you, you probably won't remember my sermon next week anyway, but if you are only going to remember just that, that'll be about a 60-minute memory. The truth of the matter is, the voice that you need to hear this morning above my voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit of God that is going to speak through His Word because it doesn't return void. And changed lives this morning will not be because of the power and eloquence of a pastor. It'll be because of the power and eloquence of a prayer warrior and the prayers in this room and the prayers that we're praying uh, during this service and after this service and throughout this week to invite God God wants to do some things in us, and God wants to do some things through us, through prayer. So we invite God to meet with us in this place. Why would God tell us to pray? The King of kings, the Lord of lords. Well, number one, for, for the fellowship. God actually enjoys being with me. I, I can't believe it. How cool is that? God wants me to pray because God wants to do life with me. He wants to be with me. God does not just want to give us things. God wants to have fellowship with us and with him. We pray because we want to abide with Christ and we want Christ to abide with us. God wants to do life with us together. John chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus said it like this. If you abide in me, Jesus said this. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's what you wish. And it shall be done to you. 
Prayer is the way to abide with Christ and for Christ to abide with us. God does not just want to give us things. He wants to spend time with us and he wants us to do things together. Yesterday, I went to the, to the baseball game, uh, coached on and cheered on the Tigers. Now, what was interesting is the game wasn't against a, an opponent. It was against each other. The opponent was each other. But that's what was beautiful about the game is it was blue and gold, and it was at the Hot Springs High Field, and it was great, great crowd, great fun. It was awesome. But you know what I watched? You know what I loved about the game? I loved watching those guys, though they were on opposite sides of the field to an extent, on the same team, they were cheering each other on. Every coach will tell you the greatest ingredient to to a successful season is togetherness. It's unity. It's chemistry. It's caring for one another. It's spending time with one another on and off the field. And God says, that's kind of how I look at prayer. It's an opportunity for me to spend time with my creation, with those I love. God could do life without us, but we can't do life without God. Amen? And he won't do life without us because... He wants to have fellowship with us. Years ago, we had a man in our church by the name of Mike Coop. He was a deacon. He was also a, a pilot. And today, he's a missionary to whom we support in the Caribbeans, Caribbean islands. And Mike used to fly me a lot of places. I remember one time at Team Revolution, we had a death at the church, and Mike th- flew all the way to Gatlinburg and picked me up in the middle of the conference and flew me back for the Homegoing service, and I preached the homegoing service, and that night got back on the plane. He flew me all the way back to Gatlinburg and flew all the way back home. He did all that. He did that often for me. When I needed to go to a place that was a few hours away, hey, preacher, let's take the plane. Let's take the plane. It was fun. It was scary at first because it was a little Cessna, and I, I, we went through a few storms, and it was scary. But I'll never forget the scariest moment that I ever flew with Mike Coop was when he looked at me and said, you want to fly? I said, no. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I appreciate it. He said, no, preacher, come on, fly. And I did, I did have these, the, the same wheel that was in front of him was in front of me. So I thought, well, I mean, he's offering. He said, well, no, don't worry. I won't take my hands off the wheel. I just want to fly with you. You see, he could have done it without me, but I couldn't have done it without him. And so we flew together. Mike and I would have the best time in that plane, flying together and talking and getting to know one another. And that's where we bonded, was high above the the ground, up in the air somewhere, just he and I together, flying that plane together. And that's one of the best illustrations that I can say to you about how Jesus feels about spending time with you and fellowshipping in this life with you. Listen, he wants to do life with you when you pray and God answers. When you abide in Christ, he abides in you and we become co-laborers with Christ. It's amazing. It's what 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 says. We are working together with him. I'm really amazed today that I'm working with Christ right now. I'm just his mouthpiece. Church, I say it again. If I'm up here by myself... All is vain. But if I'm working together with him, oh, listen, if he's meeting with us and manifesting himself in a powerful way, moving amongst us, oh, listen, there is something supernatural, powerful about that. And it comes through prayer. So we pray for the fellowship. But something else we pray for is for the development, for the growth. We grow because we pray. In fact, I can't think of any 
thing that causes us to grow more than prayer. I'll say it like this because it's in your notes this way. There is nothing that will grow you more as a Christian than prayer. Nothing, not even close. And that's incredible. I'm going to tell you we need more praying probably at this time than we do anything else. Anything else. Our nation needs prayer. Our church needs prayer. Families need prayer. Marriages need prayer. We need to get a hold of the throne room of heaven and come boldly to that room. And when we do, we'll begin to grow. We'll begin to mature. Oh, listen, when you abide in the Lord Jesus Christ and he abides in you, then you are growing as a Christian. And I believe that the reason why sometimes we don't get our prayers answered is because Truthfully, he wants us to grow some more. He just, he delays the answer because he knows he's, you ever heard that song? He's still working on me. I know it's silly and it's a kid's song, but it's, it's still fun sometimes. I find myself singing that just all by myself. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. I've got a lot of growing to do. And, and I hope that you, you can see some growth in me after that missions revival. God stirred in my heart. God worked in my life. God has brought me to a place where I'm, I'm submitting myself to him and to you in this matter of prayer. Let's pray more. Let's, let's, let's learn to pray together. Let's grow together as a church family. I have a beautiful wife here with me today, but can I tell you, I met her when I was about 23 years of age. I wasn't ready to meet her when I was 18. I had a lot of growing to do. I dated a few girls before. Every one of them sinking ship. I don't know if I had bad breath, B.O. I'm not sure what I had. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know if I just didn't look the part, act the part, dress the part. I'm not sure if I made her pay for lunch, dinner. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, <laughs> she had more money. Maybe she should have paid. I don't know. I, you say, well, that's silly. Exactly. I don't know that I knew all the rules. I don't know that I... But after talking to some, some upperclassmen and, hey, man, can you give me some pointers and calling Pop and saying, hey, Dad, you know, man, <clears throat> I need some help. Can you, can you help me with this and help me with that? I began to grow. And I remember when I, you know, when I asked Carolyn, I, you remember this, honey, she dated a lot of guys. She did. It's funny. I think she dated over 100 guys in college. You said that. It was 100, I think. But she was mature, and she was an amazing Christian, far greater than I was at that time. But I'm going to tell you, yeah, I think it was just she dated him once, though. It's just one, one and done until she met me. <laughs> and it's 20, 33 years and counting. But here's the deal. I, I had grown. I had matured. I, I had developed into someone who, who was more confident in taking care of a precious Christian girl and honoring her, respecting her body, respecting her life. All that to say, I think, I think oftentimes in the Christian life, that's what God wants to do in us through prayer. He wants us to grow. And that's why I'm so excited about this year of prayer, because I'm convinced that prayer is the way of developing and growing our lives. And then number three, we pray for dependency. In John chapter number 15, in verse number 5, Jesus said this. Think about this. He said, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, there's that word again, whoever does this, whoever does this abiding thing in me, and of course, if he abides in me, I'll abide in him, he'll bear much fruit. And then get this. Look at the dependency in this verse. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, think about it. 
Is that true or not? I mean, listen, sometimes I think we, we've, and, and Bill referred to this often. He said, really, our problem is we just think we can handle it. We can do it. We've got this. And so we don't pray. We can do life on our own. We, no, no, listen, prayer brings you to an understanding that you are totally dependent upon him for everything. The breath you just took is a gift from God, whether you realize it or not. And it's something that we should be praying about and we should be thankful for. There's power in this prayer and this praise and in this thanksgiving. Prayer is the way that God binds us to him. Prayer is God's way of bonding us to him. There is a promise. Let's claim it, church. And then secondly, there's a process. And the process is interesting. It's found in Matthew 7, 7 as well, and it, it's got some fluidity to it. It says if we ask, we'll receive. If we seek, uh, we'll find. If we knock, the door shall be open. Do, do, you ever, do you ever read a verse and just it, it sort of builds? You ever watch a movie and it builds? You ever, you ever see a song escalate and intensify? I love our, our worship team, and I love singing with them, and it just seems as if most songs, they start off, more slow and even in the words maybe a little bit more you know and then all of a sudden they build and intensify and 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 they get stronger and you sing stronger and I love that because that's oftentimes how scripture is laid out in this particular verse you see intensification you see escalation ask seek knock receive find it'll be open there is a promise but there is a process in this verse The promise is that God will hear us, and the process is asking, seeking, and knocking. And so let's just break that down real quickly. First of all, asking, what is that? That's a desire expressed. That's that's simple. Asking is this. Asking is coming to God and asking him for something. I mean, we did that a moment ago. We, We asked God a moment ago in our prayer to touch and heal Ezekiel. We're asking God for that. And, and, and asking is an important part of, in fact, a great book I read earlier in my Christian life, prayer is asking. And so the greatest problem in prayer is not unanswered prayer, it's unasked prayer. Billy Graham said this, heaven is full of answers to prayer for which no one even bothered to ask. Wow. Well, that's true. I wonder how many of us even now, could say, God, I, I want to ask for more things because I, I know you hear me and answer. Prayer is asking, which is a desire expressed. James chapter 4 and verse 2 puts it like this. Simply put, it's real easy. It's on the screen. It's the Bible. You don't have because you don't ask. Here it is. Not a whole lot of gray area. You know what I mean? Now, don't you love it when God's word is just straight up? I mean, there it is. Not a whole lot of discussion. You don't have because you don't ask. Jesus said, and we talked about this for a moment in Luke 18, 1, he told them in a parable, in effect, that they ought always to pray about everything. Don't lose heart. Keep on praying till the light breaks through. The Lord will answer. He'll answer you. God keeps his promise. His words are true. Just keep on praying till the light breaks through. Don't give up. Pray. Ask. Seek, knock. Paul put it like this in Philippians 4, 6. He said, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, there it is, everything. In everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Church, we ought to ask God 
for everything that we need. Everything. You know, it's easy to ask God for the big things. In fact, I've said this, and I don't mean this in a, in a, in a critical way, because I've been there. I've done this. Maybe we all have. Maybe not, but maybe, maybe. I know I would be in this category where I found myself exhausting every effort. This goes back to probably a little bit of some of the teachings of, of Pastor Eliff. Every effort, every counselor, every book, every conversation, every friend, you know, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Dig out of this hole this way, come up with money to handle that need, all of these things. And then finally, and, I, and I've, 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 I've seen this happen a lot on my couch in my office. Pastor, you know what? I mean, maybe it's time to pray. And so we got this big thing, and, and we tend to neglect it uh, because for whatever reason, we want to try to handle it ourselves. This morning, we bought, brought a big need before the Lord, a child is sick. That's big. A baby in the church is very sick. 21 days in the hospital, that's, that's a big need. Let's pray. But you know what? I pulled up to Walmart the other day and said, Lord, it sure is crowded. I need me a parking spot. Lord, could you help me? Let me ask you this. Is there any need so big that God can't answer? Yes or no? Is there any need so small that God doesn't care? No. So let's pray about everything, the big things, the little things. In fact, just so you'll know, I got the parking place. That's cool. And when I got it, I thought, God, you're so cool. I know that was silly. You probably got a lot more important things, but thanks for giving me a parking place a little bit closer. Just nice of you. There's nothing my God cannot do, big or small. Oh, listen, God is a God who knows it all. He reigns above it all. So ask, that's a desire expressed. Seeking is a little different. It's, it's, seeking is a journey. Seeking takes time. Seeking is a discovery experience. It's, it's, we're looking for something. We're on this journey. It's going to be 21 days. I would imagine the 21st day is going to be, probably be more enlightening than the first day. What do you think? Probably. I would think if we can pray 21 straight days through together as a church family, something, I, I think something supernatural could, could happen even more so than if we just skipped a few days or didn't do this at all. I mean, seeking is a discovery experience. It's a journey that all of us sometimes go on because true asking is linked to seeking because many times we don't know what to ask for. You ever been there? Like, I just don't know what's right. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. There's so many unknowns right now. Even in our country, there's so many unknowns. This pandemic, there's so many unknowns. And sometimes things just seem so crazy. And we just don't know what's going to happen. So what it needs in those moments, we need to seek the will of God. God, what do you want? What are you showing me? What are you teaching me? I'm going to seek so that I can find the will of God. James chapter 4 and verse 3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Sometimes we ask for the wrong things, right? So James points it out and says, listen, you know, if you pray and you're not praying for the right things, you're you're not going to get that. God loves you too much to give you just because you're asking for it. If it's wrong, he's not going to give it to you. Pray according to the will of God. And sometimes we pray because we're seeking the presence of God. James chapter 4, verse 8 says to draw nigh to God, and he'll draw near to us. That's the presence of God. God wants to do something in us, but before that, he, he, he has to do something through us. And so we seek his presence. 
I've heard many pastors, including Brother Ella, talk about, you know, multiple days of prayer, multiple days of fasting, multiple days of, of, of just seeking God and, and desiring His presence. And, well, when it finally falls, it falls thick and rich and powerful. And, and, and sometimes things happen that we, we've never seen before, we've never experienced before. So sometimes we seek the presence of God. And then other times we just need to seek God's power. In James chapter 4, 5 and verse 16, it says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power while it's working. And it produces wonderful results. The power of God in prayer. You know, I've, I've, I've witnessed that a couple of times in our ministry that I can think of in ways that I'll never forget. I remember we were... It was a Wednesday night about an hour before the service started in the old building where the Spanish church meets now. And we got a phone call from a family in the church that their granddaughter had been, little baby girl had been beaten, murder, murderlessly beaten to death. And they had rushed her to the hospital. They had pronounced her somewhat dead or at least brain dead, that she would never, ever come out of it. And if she did, she would never be the same. I got that an hour before church. I remember... And there may have been a few of you. Was anybody in the building when we had that prayer meeting that's here still today? Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I remember I, I came to the building. I was so overwhelmed. I knew I couldn't start the service. Open your hymn books to number. I just, just didn't seem right. Honestly, church, it wouldn't have seemed right to start the service off today without what we did for Tim and Goodly Diana. I just it wouldn't have felt right. I, I, I just, you know, when you get a phone call this morning, my baby's going to be in the hospital for 21 days. I mean, just, I knew we had to do something. And so I just stood up in the pulpit, and I remember just saying, church, and I wept. I just cried. I fell to pieces before God, and I got on my face in front of the pulpit there. It was a larger pulpit in those days, and I just began to cry out in prayer. The next thing I knew, the whole church was on their face, and the whole church began to cry out in prayer. You could have heard us two, three blocks away. It was just prayers. I don't even know if we all were praying words. We were just groaning intercessory prayer before the throne of heaven. And we got a phone call after the service that she had lived through that, uh, that beating. And, and she had a pulse and she was on life support. But she, and then over the days and weeks, she began to get better. And then she went home. And then she went to Gospel Light Christian School. And then she went to Champion Christian College. And then she graduated with an associate's degree. Then she got married. Can I get an Amen. I'm just saying, I know that's just one story, and and, and forgive me. I know some people don't like to clap at church, so you don't have to, but it's okay. But my point is, is that God, God is powerful, and prayer is powerful. I'm thinking about Mark Brown. I'll never forget when Mark got saved, and you know, I had my, I had my Ford Porter track, God's Simple Plan of Salvation. Everything underlined, everything memorized. I had my illustrations down. I knew what I was going to do. I'd planned this thing out. I'm going to Mark's house at this time. I'm going to say this. This is going to happen. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to sit on that couch. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to pressure him into getting. It's going to be awesome. I'm gonna, I got it. Man, I had it down. And I got in his house. And I got to that couch. And I got my Bible open. And I had my track there. And it was all going great. Except for one thing. <laughs> oh, Mark's stubborn. And old Mark Brown said, ah, preacher, thanks, but no thanks. There's the door, bro. I heard some noise, and it was loud, and I, I thought it was a television because the television was on. And I said, well, Mark, turn the TV off. Let me, let me just talk a little bit more. And so Mark turned the TV off, and the sound didn't go away. It was Sonia and Christina 
in the back bedroom crying out to God that God would save their daddy. We walked back down the hallway back to that room and listened for about 60 seconds to those two cry out for their daddy and their husband. Mark broke down. Preacher, I want to get saved. Mark bowed in that hallway and trusted Christ as a savior. I ran to the bedroom and told Christine and, and Christy, uh, 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 Sonia, hey, listen, God's answered our prayers. Mark's a Christian now. Mark's a believer. Mark became the head of our baptistry for almost 20 years before he died of cancer and spending his life with Jesus now. But it was the power of prayer. It wasn't the intellect of a preacher with a professional witnessing tool. It was the power of prayer. I've witnessed that effectual, fervent prayer. It does avail much. It does have great power. And it does work. I've seen it work. Oh, listen, we are to ask. That's a desire expressed. We're to seek. That's a a discovery that's experienced. And we are to knock. Knocking requires determination. I'm not giving up. It's a determination expressed. Oh, listen, to knock means that we will not stop until we know that we have the thing that we're asking for or until God says no. The same passage that we have here in Matthew 5 is also expounded in Luke chapter number 11. I want to borrow from Luke as well in the same passage. But Luke gives a little more insight. Luke tells us a little bit about what it means to knock. And so since we're talking about knocking here, let's look at what Luke says. He's giving a parable, and here's what he says. Verse 5, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I don't have anything to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is shut. Now, door's what you knock on, right? So keep that in mind. My children are with me in bed. I I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, he's not going to do it because they're friends, but he will do it because of his persistence. Because he just keeps on knocking. He'll rise and give him whatever he needs. That's the parable. Now notice verse 9. I tell you, I tell you, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will open for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks it will be open. Can you picture this? You've got to have a context of what it would have been like back in Bible times. It would have been unthinkable that a friend would have said no to lodging or food because hospitality is a premium in the Middle East. It's a premium. So it would have been unthinkable that this would have happened. So picture this scene. Picture it. Here's Here's a guy that comes over to, uh, to the house and says, hey, uh, hey, John, what's up? Oh, going great. I'm just passing through the neighborhood. Man, I tell you what, I'm, I'm hungry. You got anything to eat? Sure, John, have a seat here, right here, bro. I'll, I'll be right back. Let me go talk to my wife. Hey, honey, don't let this bring up any memories. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking about myself on this one. Hey, honey, I got somebody over here to eat. And uh, can, you, can you get something? We don't have anything. Oh, we don't. Hey, John, listen, uh, just kind of get comfortable there. I got to go outside here, get a fresh breath. I forgot something in the car, John. I'll be right back. Get over to the next door neighbor. It's got to be up. It's, it's only 11 p.m. People go to bed so early these days. 
What? Hey, Matthew, it's John. Hey, listen. <clears throat> I need some bread. What are you talking? It is a... Go home. No. What? Would you quit knocking? John, Matthew, I'm serious. I've got to have some food. I already invited them in. They need some food. I'm telling you. Please, John, please. Listen, my kids are sleeping. This is ridiculous. What are you thinking? Good night. Get inside and get the stupid bread. Just go home. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. Jesus illustrates that by saying this. He didn't do it because he was his friend. He did it because of his persistence. And all throughout Scripture, he illustrates in the Word of God, whether it's the Syrophoenician woman, whether it's the unjust judge and the widow, whether it's Jesus even in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, or Paul with the thorn in the flesh. And I don't believe those were just prayed once, prayed twice, prayed three times. They were extended times of prayer. And, and, and he removed this thorn from me. I mean, we see even Elijah in the rain uh, that he prayed. I mean, all over Scripture, we could break down these stories to illustrate one thing. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Persistence in prayer. So that brings the question. When do you stop asking? When do you stop seeking? When do you stop knocking? Well, first of all, you can stop when you get what you ask for. I mean, you ask, God gives, praise the Lord. It's amazing. And sometimes it works that way. It's awesome. But sometimes you can stop when God says no. And you know what I found? That even when God says no, sometimes it's just no for now. Sometimes God's Denials are just really delays. And so we just patiently wait for his, his prodding, his leadership to pray some more. But we can stop when God says no or God says wait. We can stop when God gives peace. And oftentimes there's just a peace that God gives in our prayer time. A promise to claim, a process to follow, ask, seek, knock. And then finally, there is a, in this text, there's a provision. And I'm going to tell you something. It's sweet. There's a provision to enjoy. Notice what Jesus says as he illustrates this in closing this morning. Look with me, if you would, please, at Matthew chapter 7. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, verse 9, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, think about that for just a moment. I mean, that's human nature. Human nature is, is I want to take care of my kids. Even a lost man would more than likely, Jesus illustrates here, hey, I, I, would, I would want to give good gifts to my children. Every father would want to, to, to take care of his children. I mean, most at least. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, I've got a great dad. He's been my dad for 56 years. I, I, I've got a broken story. My, my mom and dad were divorced when I was a, a child, but dad started paying child support, and he paid child support till I was 24. I, I remember graduating when I walked, well, no, when I got married, actually. When I got married, Dad said to me at, at the, at the rehearse, uh, re- reception, he said, well, son, 
this is your last check. <laughs> That's just my story because of the divorce, but I could call my dad today and just about ask him for I, almost anything. I mean, he, I think, I don't remember ever my daddy not trying to help, but my dad's limited. He's 80. He doesn't have the strength and he doesn't have unlimited finances. I mean, he's helped us financially throughout our lives and when we really needed it, he's been great. But my earthly father is limited, but my heavenly father has no limits. None. None. And so Jesus here illustrates, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your child, how much more will your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who love him? Why? Because God is good. He delights in you. He does. I don't, I don't have time to, to, to really ex, expound on that, but I want to put an exclamation mark on this thought that God loves you. God delights in you. God cares about you. God knows your needs. God cares about your needs. God cares about Tim and Diana and Ezekiel more than you could ever imagine. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. God is wise. He won't give you the wrong thing. Think about it. If you ask for a fish, he can give you a serpent. If you ask for bread, he won't give you a stone. He's not going to give you something that, that, that's wrong or that, that, that would hurt you. He's wise. He knows what you need. He, he, he cares about what you need. And he's sovereign. He is sovereign. He reigns above it all. God is good. God is wise. God is sovereign. And, and we know our prayers will be answered because of those things. Please remember, this is Jesus who is saying these things to you. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. Jesus said, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Church, let's learn how to pray. Let's learn how to pray. And I wonder today, is he your heavenly father? I wonder if there might be somebody here this morning in this building that would say, he, he, I don't know that I have a personal relationship and you mentioned a dad. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't even have a relationship with my earthly father. How, how can I know that a heavenly father would be these things? Well, my earthly father hasn't really been those things. Oh, listen, I've, I've got a best friend. I want you to meet him. His name is Jesus. He wants today to become your dad. He wants to show you a different example in a different way. He loves you. He died for you on the cross. And today, if you'll say to him, I repent, and I believe, and I turn from my sin. I turn to you. Today, you could become his child, and he could become your father. I'll never forget the day that happened for me. Had a man come to me before the service. I'm so excited for him. He said, Pastor, I want to talk to you this week about getting baptized. He said, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm ready to be baptized. He's in the building. I'm sorry. His name's Eric, too. That's what's cool. I said, what's your name? He said, Eric. I said, okay, cool. That's good. Eric, I'll talk to you later, Eric. <laughs> My name's Eric. Oh, God's working in this church, and God's working in this room, and there may be somebody here today like Eric that needs to come and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to receive Christ. I'm ready to follow him in baptism. I'm ready to go to the ends of the earth. I'm ready to do what God would have me to do. Today, would you give your heart and life to Jesus? Would you make him your heavenly father? He'll outdo your earthly father. He's outdone mine. 
And maybe there's someone here today that would say, Pastor, you know, I'd like to give a gift. I know I'm just a, a human person. I know I, I don't have the ability to, to become the gift of eternal life. But if this gift has the gift of eternal life in it, I'd like to send it somewhere across the world. Well, it does. And placed in every one of these boxes has been placed the story of Jesus. And, and every person who receives these boxes will also have a chance to hear the gospel. And so in just a moment, you'll be able to respond. And, and you can come forward and take a, 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 a box or two or three and, or come back and take others later. But I encourage you this morning, let's, let's just take care of these boxes today. From the balcony on the main floor, let's come and give a gift so that we can give the greatest gift, the gift of Jesus. We're going to pray and stand and then give you a chance to respond and worship and sing as we close this first sermon of a series of messages on the power of prayer, the power of praise, and the power of thanksgiving. It's going to be a great journey. Let's discover the power of prayer together. Father, God, I thank you for this opportunity to preach and to pray and and to ask and to seek and to knock. Oh, God, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning in a way that, God, we would be drawing near and nearer and nearer. And, God, that you would draw nearer and nearer and nearer. And, God, we could experience, Lord, something maybe we haven't experienced in a long time, and that is the touch, the touch of the Master in our lives. Father, may you be real to everyone here in this building this morning in a way that would speak to us louder than this message. In that still small voice that has so much power that never returns void, may your word go forth today in power and in might and glory. God, I thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for coming alongside me today. God, I I thank you for being, Lord, uh, I think more real this morning than you were for me a couple of weeks ago. It's special. And God, I I pray that we would seek it more and more as a church family. Thank you for all that you've done. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Savior, may today be the day that they make you their dad. May today be the day you become their father. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand together? Jeremy, you'll stand over here. I'll stand over here. You're welcome to come. Enjoy this one.